KW calling. I'm on international frequency. Come in. Knuckle up again. You know, what is this? What does this represent? Uh, because this isn't just about soda. <laughs> Hello, Beans. This is Dave. And. Hello! Don't judge me! Another wax teeth edition of Kettle Whistle Radio. This is Dave. I've got Lydia Peaver with me, and we're going to tear apart The Possession, 1980. Sam Neill, hor- horrifically, shockingly weird flick. And stick around for Critical Mass, a totally different point of view from my boy Puppet. Stick around. Wax teeth. The history of wax candles, like wax fangs, has been difficult to track down. They were originally created by the American Candy Company in the early 1900s. Later. The brand called Concord Confections, which is now part of Tootsie, the current manufacturer. This is from oldtimecandy.com about wax teeth. And there it is. Welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio and our wax teeth edition with Dave and Lydia. How are you, Lydia? Pretty darn good. How are you? <laughs> Didn't think you'd be talking to me for a while after that last one. And we, um, well, that movie sort of went over the 89 minute point we said we'd make these movies that we'd review um that and just the content alone i I was pretty sure you wouldn't be talking to me well no the content i'm fine with the content the length yeah that's a sticky issue but (laughs) in my notes i was like you know i could handle the 89 minute version that's out there but you had suggested the uncut version it's a different movie yeah it's a completely different movie i wouldn't trust anyone to cut what i wanted to see um, or to not cut what I wanted to see remain because there were so many things that I could envision them cutting because it was, you know, poorly done or the background music was bad or, or the, I'll cover a couple of those things that irked me or were confusing right. but I couldn't see the movie without them and, the movie, and what they would have kept would have just been drawn out boring stuff. I, I, and I agree and I saw that perspective. The movie we're talking about is The Possession, 1981 by Polish director Andrzej Zolowski is the best way I could pronounce that, uh, starring Sam Neill, who has a body of work that spans like four decades. Sam Neill plays Mark, Isabel, and Johnny as Anna, and uh, they have their child Bob and some guy named Heinrich, who look like a suave James Bond badass with a Hannibal Lecter charm. Would you disagree? <laughs> no, I agree. He was pretty charming. He was very charming. He was charming to the boys and the girls. Sam Neill, though... I gotta say thank you so 
I love Sam Neill. I like young Sam Neill a lot. You know, I knew you'd say that for some reason. I, I guess, you know what, he, he's still a great actor, but I guess back then he was sort of more of a ladies' man. This movie now, again, it's called The Possession, and um, if I, I must quote Nelson Piles, you know, one of my, well, my partner in crime on uh, Society 13. He says most stories of possession are um, overused or just plain lame. Uh, this one takes a different angle, and I'd say it's the twisted love quadrangle, if you will, and, with you know, we can give spoilers or not, this movie, there's so much to it that even if you give spoilers, more is coming your way. Yeah, you could have explained it as three different movies, really, to me, and I still would have watched it and come away something completely different. It's completely your own when you watch it. Exactly. Now, I watched it um, in, well, I watched it in the 80s as a teen, and um, it, it, quite frankly, it was too simple, and um, it, there was something darker about it, and that's when I found out there was an uncut version. When you see the uncut version that we just watched, it is a entirely different movie and then some. It's the movie and the sequel within. And you know what? It's two hours long, but for me, I'll sit again and watch that two hours. Yeah, I am curious to watch the cut version just to see what they left, and it's sort of like this um, Nightbreed theatrical release versus Nightbreed Cabal cut, which yeah. is a whole different movie, an You're entirely right on. different movie. You're right on with uh, that. Yeah, no, it's true, and I'd like to see the cut version once <laughs> and see the possession a couple times more. It's it's a pretty deep film. You'll have to find it on VHS for that. Um, I know that Blu-ray is just non-existent yet, and it's a, a European release. I'm not even sure. I heard it hasn't been released on Blu-ray or DVD yet. I don't know how true that is, but that's as of last month. Um, it's funny, too. We're, we're kind of following a... Um, a similar formula here about the you know, this movie is the epitome of the tortured young girl who's helpless to save herself and cannot turn for help without consequences and and nobody's listening to her uh, the last three movies the last two movies were like that uh, by the way don't look in the basement did you like a review of that oh i loved your review of that it was hilarious <laughs> roundtable no, discussion <laughs> yeah we loved it thank you for introducing us to that because none of us had seen it we had a riot that night it was awesome thank you Oh, good. No problem. I've got to pass some thanks on to Howard Sonnenberg of Ottawa Horror because he had used clips of it because it's in the public domain, as I ranted a couple <laughs> episodes ago, um, and used it in the Night Face uh, trailer, the book trailer that's on YouTube. So uh, that's how I was introduced to it, and I watched it because I wanted to know where these clips were coming from, what context, you know. <laughs> Night, and yeah, I loved Night it. Face. I fell in love with that that's, weird little movie. You brought up Night Face. That's uh, my read right now on my uh, my uh, trolley ride to work. I'm, I'm only 50 pages into it. And I'm one of these guys that savors a book. So, I mean, your book, Night Face, absolutely, like, every page delivers. Um, we're we're going to talk about that. We're going to take a, put the possession aside for a moment. Um, oh, God. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Night Face, just the whole idea, like, when you get into one of your lead characters, and I don't know how lead, because I'm only 50 pages into it, but Solomon's mind, as he assesses the principal of the school, basically as food, victim, whatever you want to look at, but he's just getting into his mind. I think it was like five pages long of him stripping down what's going inside this man and his life. I've never seen that done to the point where you did it. Oh, well, thank you. That was, yeah. I, I had fun doing that. That was cool. Yeah, like the balls of hashish crammed in the very fibers of a pencil that was sharpened with a knife that was used to cut a brick into grams. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic stuff, man. I, no, I, I'm having a good time with that book, and I, I can't post I can't post enough about it, and I have friends that are actually uh, picking it up, too. So it's working. That's exciting. No, that's exciting to me. There was um, another recent review. 
new Lightning to American Psycho, and I still can't. Hmm. I, I'm choking on that wonderful review from my friend Matt Moore, and that is just yeah, and fellow author Matt Moore, a great guy. I could see that. That's a, that. Yeah, that's a good, really good analogy. Um, oh, I don't know. Wait till you're finished it. I don't know. I know. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm a quarter of the way through it. And I'm savoring it. I'm not, I don't read in one day. It's just not, I just can't do it. When I like something, I want it to be there the next day. That's just me. But anyway, uh, about this movie that I tortured you with, um, what's with us in the uh, the girl, the young girl that is helpless, that can't turn anywhere? Why do these? Why is it so effective? And especially this movie. Uh, it is effective because we're living in this age where women's rights have really come to the forefront. You can't really do that in a film the way they're doing it now. Rape revenge is the big fun thing to do now because um, that's what's on everyone's mind, especially with violence against women being in the in the spotlight uh, worldwide because it's a human rights issue. And back, you know, in the seventies, it just it just wasn't like that. You're right. Sure, we're coming out of the third wave feminism. But it wasn't. We weren't shining a huge, big, bright light on violence against women worldwide. Right. So yeah, it's a nice, it's a nice slice of life from back then when women were still tossed around. And some of the some of the things in this film, where you know she beats on him and he's like, "Hit me again," and looks at her like he's going to bring it right, and he does beat her up quite yeah, a bit. Some, yeah, Sam Neil. You see a little evil Sam Neil there. Yeah, yeah. See, a lot of evil everybody. Yes, there's not too many people to like. I mean, you feel for her. Now, she's caught between, well, we'll say two lovers and possibly a third. That's an an unnatural one, we'll say. Um, You do get your answers several times over later on. Again, we could spoil it, but it is called the possession. Now, I looked at her as the possession between these three players, and I thought that was a good play on words. I when you had said all you had left me with with that idea was that the title is quite literal. So I thought that it was like the Dybbuk Box film where that's a possession a little girl has. Um, but my take was that the third lover you speak of so so coyly was her possession because she kept it secreted away. She had a whole apartment for this thing. Mm. That's what I thought you were getting at. Right. Right, but I just look. Well, it's funny too. If you see the uncut version, you'll have a, another take on it. But I, I will say this: as far as, this was the only time I, f- I ever felt compassion and sorrow for a woman giving a guy the silent treatment. <laughs> My God. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She like, had her reasons. That's for sure. I wish that it would have moved along a little quicker into her reasons and the occult angle. Um, the beginning was really a fireball of, of drama, as far as you know, interpersonal relationships and uh, a marital, a marriage falling apart. Mm. That's just not interesting to me. Right. Yeah, no, that, that, that does, I mean, that's boring really anymore, but they kind of created this monster between them. It becomes a, a literal figure at some point. I don't know. There's a reason why I asked you to watch this and it's because I, you know, I bring you in to help decipher these plot lines that have haunted me since I was a kid. Cause you, you'll have a different take on it. And I, I mean, did they create their own monster? Did this monster find them? It seems to me like she brought, I don't know. Did she bring this, will this thing into being? Somewhat will this thing into being with pieces like I joke sometimes about taking like three or four boys I've known and duct tape them into one and he'd be so perfect, you know, just as, then you envision it. This is horribly malnourished and kept in a big 
face pale duct taped mess of <laughs> ooh, poor slave things. Not pretty. Um, <laughs> no, of course. That's sort of what she's got going on. You mean you, you didn't write that one yet? Um, no, is this, the, is this the angle you come to me for? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, absolutely. Now, we are talking about Anna, who is Isabel, is it Ajani? Is that how you pronounce it? Um, ma- yeah, I guess. Pretty amazing actress, right? I mean, like, I don't know what she did before or after this, but wow. I mean, you get two takes on her. Like, there, there are scenes where she, you can go, you'll feel sorrow for her looking at her eyes, and her eyes will flip over like psychotic within <laughs> seconds, and you believe it. She does that really, really well. And there's the, sort of the three faces of Isabel right now, or Anna, um, that I like don't like and adore there's mm. at the beginning the first hour of the film i wish could just be compacted but again i don't trust anyone's cutting to, to yeah to be deleted but she is for the first maybe half hour i was like i don't know if i would ever recommend this to anyone because it's just a girl screaming at a guy and i cannot stand that mm. and she did the hysterical woman to a t and then later with say and spoilers galore here. Hey, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, she has her miscarriage in the subway tunnel. Unbelievably harrowing. Just the most. You know, you've seen actresses pull off childbirth or like terrible pain. You see a lot of that in like The Descent, Women in Pain. Mm. Uh, but she does it to a point that's just unreal. It goes on for like it's like a ten minute scene. It, it seemed. It reminds me of the rape scene in. Uh, have you seen the film Irreversible? No. There is a very long and drawn out and harrowing rape scene in a subway tunnel, and it looks almost like that in a subway tunnel. And it's, it invoked the same feeling with a total opposite action, you know, rape versus miscarriage. It was It's kind of weird. I want to see the two scenes back to back. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah, no, that one, I definitely missed that one. Yeah, I, I honestly, I, I that scene though. I mean, and obviously she's. Um, well, do you get the take that she's getting rid of something purposely there? Uh, definitely. Yeah, she went for help, which is uh, an interesting scene that we. Well, I'm not going to touch on that. I stay away from religion on this show. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that's a good idea. But she is like a tough woman, right? Like you see the whole beginning where it's built up that she's not tough. And she's, like, hysterical, and she's weak because she's, like, she won't even talk to her, her husband about why she's leaving him. She doesn't seem to be talking to her lover. And then there's all this secrecy, and it makes her come across as very, very weak. And then they have some really riveting scenes where you second-guess that. Mm-hmm. And then they show the weirdest scene in the whole film, the ballet scene. Oh, you know what? I knew you were going to bring that up. Yes, I, I was going to ask you um, where she reverses the power and takes the power and takes it out on a little kid. Yeah. That she's too, that she's mentoring. Yeah. Oh. In probably the most hypersexualized and and painful child abuse scene I've ever seen, where no kid is hurt and there's no suggestion of pain or sex at all. It's just the most screwed up scene I've ever seen. Right. She just holds her in that position where she's supposed to be. Well, I don't know if you know the position, but it's just basically trying to, they're, they're uh, doing a recital or, you know, and she's just like, hold it, hold it, hold it. And the poor girl's legs in the air. It's just like, and she won't let her. And then one girl actually feigns and can't keep her leg up during the scene. And, but she's allowed, but she gets credit for being good. And the, the young girl that is screaming in pain, like, please, I need to put my leg down. I can't do this anymore. And she just holds her. 
Yeah. It's insane. To the point of you can you can feel that cramping going on if somebody's holding you in some crazy yoga position. Yes. Um, yeah, no, very, very horrible. And the look on her face and the little soliloquy she has to go along with it. Soliloquy. Um, yes. I was gonna ask you about that. Incredible. I, yeah, I, I just honestly... She, well, don't you feel she was reversing, taking her own power back and exerting on someone weaker at that point? Mm-hmm. Although I wasn't clear, and that's another thing with this film, there's a couple little scenes mm-hmm. where it almost feels like they're flashbacks. Because her temperament changes so drastically, um, it's just a, it's just a, not a flaw at all of filmmaking, but it's that it, because her temperament, her attitude and personality swaps around so bad... Mm-hmm. Sometimes, because it's not mid-scene, if there's a cut or a change of scenery and she changes, you'd almost get her mixed up with the other girl who she also plays. Right, right. That's yeah. and again, that that's not even a spoiler. It just this, it just keeps going and going. I mean, we could say, all right, uh, well, I mean, obviously she's um, hiding the fact that her, her third lover is supernatural. Um, we do get to see, meet, and get to know him. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but the whole time her husband is interested in a girl that looks just like her, who happens to be his, this, their son's teacher. Um, I was lost on that in the uncut, ver- I, I, rather in the cut version. The uncut, it all kind of came together. And boy, that ending. <laughs> exactly. And I, I'd like to say, like, they must preserve the ending. That's the only way that that makes any sense at all, mm-hmm. having her look so much like her and you know that's creepy the ending is amazing and really it doesn't like the movie is long and i have no attention span whatsoever and it's hard like it's physically hard for me to watch a movie (laughs) it redeems half of the pain i went through i'm sorry to hear that that's okay it's just me i could see a lot of people being just fine with it just like a duck in water. Well, <laughs> well, see, I'm constantly reminded of this film because the the uh, the, the Pittsburgh tunnels and like our trolley system here, it's very mm-hmm. similar to the settings in some of the worst and nastiest scenes in that movie. And uh, it, like, I'm just constantly reminded of it. But this one just stuck with me for so long, and I haven't really been able to share it with anybody. And I, well, now we're sharing it with a lot of people, and it, it, uh, it's on YouTube. And I hate to say it's on YouTube, but it's there. I think people should pay to see it. But what are you gonna do? Um, I don't think this is remake worthy. This one is still good. No, but it's definitely DVD, Blu-ray, whatever, Laserdisc, whatever you need. Yeah. Anything other than VHS, which I, my, a lot of my VHS tapes are succumbing to moisture. Oh, I know. Knocking so hot. <laughs> um, so it does definitely need some sort of re-release. A Criterion release would be nice. Yeah, yeah, somebody should. It's crazy. It's worth it. If there's any other footage or any interviews or any you know, behind-the-scenes stuff to go along with this. It's definitely worth it. Um, and to have to have the cut and uncut version to, to play comparisons like this with. Um, one scene I have to bring up that I really liked but was botched. And I don't like to nitpick on filmmaking because I haven't made a film. But um, there's this scene where Sam Neill is talking with the detective. Ah. Which one and now? I, this, the lover, like the second detective, right, I, I'm okay. positive. It's late, far late in the movie. And they're at a seaside or riverside, waterside. And it's one of those scenes where the whole movie stops and the character tells a story. 
that really lets you get to know them. And um, Christopher Walken has a scene in, oh God, what movie is it from where he tells the story about the watch that was in his grandfather's ass? <laughs> Pulp Fiction. Everybody loves quoting that one, yes. Everybody does. because it's. But it's one of those things, things where Bryce Willis is telling a story. And it really fills you in on where they're coming from. Sam Neill's telling the story about going underneath the porch with the dog. Mm-hmm. The dog was going to die and knew it. So he followed the dog under there. And the guy said, why did you follow the dog under there? He said, I wanted to see what he, why he felt he needed to go under the porch. Or what was under the porch. Right. It was a great scene, except there was this weird techno music in the background that was so distracting, and yes. I was like, "What? Are they at a dance party?" Yeah, it's funny. Like <laughs> the Italians were always like they, they were always like uh, just uh, so guilty of that as well. Like all the Italian zombie movies, like all of a sudden there's that that funky little beat happening, you know, that just was not appropriate. And but you know, I, I guess I overlook it now. I, you know, I did want to ask you about a scene. The first time you actually see something otherworldly was in the first P.I. pays a visit to her um, to inspect her safe house and she tries to shield him from going to places that oh well might get him hurt and you just see that slightest bit of slimy movement in the background like what were you thinking at that point I, I knew that it was something was coming okay um, I hadn't read the entire like I hadn't read a lot of like Wikipedia and that really database okay but from the cover and just scanning something, I saw the word tentacle. Mm, yeah. I was like, "Oh, this is where it's going." But it reminded me of Hellraiser. Thank was, you. Oh my God! Yes, yeah. that's my Frank. next quote. You're killing me. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I wanted Frank to be there. It's kind of he's, yes. know, he's, he's almost as sexy as Frank. <laughs> Do you think Clyde Barker had some influences here, other than, of course, Telltale Heart is where he got that from, Hellraiser, but. I really think he definitely saw this movie, and I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. There's nothing new under the sun, but I mean, you can you can create these ideas in a vacuum mm-hmm. and have them be really similar to other great minds, right? Great right. minds thinking alike and all. Yes. Um, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't one. know the names, and I'm not one of those. Um, Research fangirl types. Nah, so. I, me either, honestly. It, it just only occurred to me, like, you know, well, you don't want to give it away too much. But just, yeah, there's definitely a tie between Hellraiser and this movie. Um, Telltale Heart, I mean, it's all there. Just, you gotta, well, it's there. But, um, yeah, you were talking about Frank. That's so funny. I, I don't know. Sam Neill, uh, it's it's really funny to see him in that role compared to, you know, Jurassic Park later on. Yeah, no, I want to watch Jurassic Park over again. <laughs> it's actually kind of a scary, you know, kind of a scary movie in, in and of itself, so I think it'd be kind of fun. Well, I, yeah, no, I like Sam Neill and a lot of stuff. You know that they did just find a, a female woolly mammoth where the blood is um, extractable. Did you find that? Did you know about that? Oh, no, no, I was all excited about them having shot Bigfoot. <laughs> did they really? <laughs> That's also in the news. Oh, is it? That's <laughs> so cool. It's probably, it's probably the same story somehow. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but oh, and this one too. This made me think of you. Um, that there, there, there was that one Sid and Nancy moment in the kitchen, <laughs> right after she had cut him, cut herself, and then yes. he decides, ah, oh, yeah, let's see what this is like. <laughs> Pretty much, kind of. But I mean, well, I don't know. He was primed for some sort of sort of self harm. He had a lot of uh, yeah, demons of his own to get out and confusion to deal with. And having having witnessed that sort of 
Yeah. Kind of, you know, broke his will a little bit there. Um, that poor fellow. And what's odd, I'd seen somebody, and I don't remember who, on Facebook not long ago was like, oh, I get so tense in a horror movie when they pull out the electric knife. And it was just like, oh, how novel. There's another electric knife. Look at that. Because the only one I thought of was Maximum Overdrive right. or um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. I just think We're of Thanksgiving, personally. I, I just doesn't really, I don't know. Yeah, but it was a little bit intense. She was going off the deep, and that's the beginning of her fall into insanity. Yeah. Um, but no, with that, the Hellraiser. Yes. Um... Not Christy, the girl. I'm looking at the thing here. I'm doing research. Look at me go. Um, Julia. Mm-hmm. The way that she talks to Frank and about Frank, and when Frank is discovered, the way she talks about him is the same sort of tone that Anna gets when she's the first time to explain when when the tentacle guy is half formed, mm-hmm. and she said he's not quite finished, you know, and it reminded me even more of, of Frank. Right. And that same tone, that same sort of protective, like, this is my man, and he's half-baked. Right. Yes. Uh, and then when you see, um, well, her lover in full form, which we will not give that away, um, there's a, it's amazing a tran- what a transition an actor can make to somehow creep you out more. Uh, I, that's all I'm saying. There was something new to that person in that moment. Very well done. It was extremely well done from the, the sound, the lighting, the effects for the time, all mm-hmm. the physical effects. Um, yeah, the foley work. I, I like good foley work in a gory scene. Yes. Oh <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everything about that. Everything about that. Secondary characters in the room at the time. It was. It was just a, a really well done scene. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I really. I wasn't sure where you were with it. Um, and it was. It, it's a long movie as far as like a horror and being uncut. But I, I highly recommend the Possession. I really do. Um, and not the new versions, or rather the new movies called the Possession. Because I really, this was a different angle. This angle, we have yet to see this since. I think. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Hellraiser, I of course. I mean, Hellraiser, of course. But that was not the same idea, not the same thing. No, because there was another force. That force was all explained. Exactly. It was. It was. A, it was something you can control. It was a mistake somebody made. It was somebody's curiosity totally mm-hmm. destroying everyone around them. This was, this was yeah. a completely different beast. And you can make it like some of my favorite music. You can make it your own in so many different ways. You could look at two people that were that had addiction issues, and maybe this is what led, what created this evil between them, and that you know, going and finding other lovers and bringing other people into it. And I mean, this fascination with the cutting, and I mean, there's so many ways to take this film. And um, that's again, I'm, I'm glad you're there. Glad you enjoyed it because I really, I, I've been trying to figure this one out for so long. <laughs> I did. I like the last hour. I, I'm just saying an hour because I don't remember exactly where that you know, watershed moment is yeah. but the, the the lead up and the character development at the beginning was just like I don't know if I could take this screaming hysterical woman and this <laughs> crazy man throwing chairs around and they just fight and fight and fight and the poor kid I don't even want to, another thing to not spoil is the, the fate of the kid yeah, but I mean it's another whole interesting angle, another whole reason to watch this film. Yeah, beginning just just about killed me. How about that quote about God and then the rebuttal? Do you remember that between Heinrich and Samuel's character Mark? These are the two guys fighting over Anna, but there's a little 
little quote about God, and then Sam Neill has his little rebuttal. If you don't remember, I'm going to play it anyway. But it was pretty intense. I think I lost you. Yeah, no, I'm here. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And it's taking a lot of brain power. Uh, I, I semi-remember. I, 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 you want to hear it? I'll play it right now. I Do you want to hear it? I'll play it right now. Please do. Okay. All right. Pause for one second. I used to be afraid of you. But I don't think I am anymore. There's nothing to fear except God. Whatever that means to you. For me, God is a disease. That's why through the disease we can reach God. That's something though, huh? We're back on. Yeah, no. And the exorcist was the first to really blame God or scream about God in a way that Christians really wouldn't want to hear. Yes, that's true, yeah. And this came, uh, well, this is about mm, six, seven years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I just, I don't know, there's so much about this movie you could tear apart, and I, I don't know. Uh, but you, you said you found something. Yeah, an old quote in Fangoria from 92, Sam Neill talking about the U.S. version of the possession, or just possession, not the possession, possession, being cut from 127 minutes, the version we watched, mm-hmm. to 81 minutes, the version we kind of don't want to watch, but I want to for interest sake. Sam Neill says, I'm sure it makes no sense at all. It's outrageous when people start cutting other people's films. I mean, you don't go around cutting up paintings. It may be a bad painting or a good painting, but you don't go chopping bits out of it because it's too big or kind of offensive to some people. Nice. Something to do with that wonderful lover boy or the God quotes or just the violence. And from Fangoria. I I was a collector of Fangoria. I still have a lot of my old ones. That's nice Mm -hmm. to hear. That's some validation for me. I'm happy. Well, that's in April 92. So dig out your old... Old, 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 wow. old, old Bangor is. Yeah, I've got some from. I, oh, please! I got the Godzilla collection from like '84. I wasn't supposed to even be buying it. <laughs> well, yeah. I, hey, I'm glad that you appreciated this movie. I wasn't sure where you'd go with it. Um, it is um, now your turn, Miss Lydia Peaver, to come up with the next movie. I have three possibilities. Do you three? want to hear if I can remember them all? Do if you, you want to say, hear them or do you want to just email them to you? If you say Enigma by Lucio Fulci, that will drive me nuts because that's one no. I missed. No, it's not. Okay. But you can pull that one out of the hat later if you want. <laughs> sure, we'll do that. Yeah, you go ahead and email me. We won't, no teasers here. So um, I can't no wait to see what you come up with. I, I don't know. I, I'm going to give you at least two or three choices because okay. I'm pretty sure you'll oh. be like, oh, I don't want to watch that piece of garbage. I'll watch anything. Go for it. Sweet. Okay. All right. Well, thanks again. This was, well, come on, Lydia. What was this? What segment? What, what do we call this thing? It's Vax Tea. <laughs> With Lydia and Dave on Kettle Whistle Radio. Thanks for listening. And, uh, yeah, Lydia did name the show, so I have to give her credit for it. It's fantastic. And uh, we'll have her on again very soon. And right now, Lydia, if you got some stuff you want to sell and plug, come on, do it. 
Well, I do have an appearance coming up at the Ottawa Small Press Book Fair on June 15th here in Ottawa. So for local people local to me, I'll have copies of Pray Light Eve, a couple of copies of Night Face as well. And there will be like loads of other authors there selling all kinds of poetry, comics, graphic novels, uh, zines, and books as well. Okay. Well, thank you for your time once again. And um, we'll do this again not too not too long from now. Awesome, yeah, no, I know I like it a lot, so I'm glad to be here. <laughs> All right, that's right. That's it for Wax Teeth on Kettle Whistle Radio. Good night, folks. See ya. But please do stick around for Critical Mass coming up right now. Now, okay. Hey, kitties. So we're still here, yeah. And we have yet another point of view on this movie, The Possession, that you just heard Lydia and myself talk about. Uh, I've got Puppet again, Critical Mass. You there, buddy? I'm here, I'm here. Right, well, oh, yeah. The floor is going to be all yours in a minute here. Uh, I, uh, your reaction uh, when I told you about the movie was interesting and even more interesting after the fact you said you wanted to punch me in the face. Yes. Okay, that's the effect this movie has. Uh, I'm going to let you take the floor and uh, go for it. I'm going to actually sit back here on the third rail, we call it, where we, we usually have guests sit. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna just watch it go. I can go now? Oh, yeah, you can go. Okay, let's, let's talk about... Now, Mr. Fairhead said, uh, you know, I had to talk about Possession, a movie I'd never seen, never heard of, n- n- nothing, nothing. So I, I, I found it on YouTube... I don't know, it said Spanish subtitles, whatever. Okay, so two hours and three minutes. Those are two hours and three minutes I will never get back the rest of my life. And I wrote a bunch of notes down because there were a lot... First of all, if the movie just starts off with these two people are arguing, you don't know what the hell's going on. You're like, okay, I don't know what the... And I'm in the middle of a movie. So you're already like, okay, what's going on here? And I know these are, you know, this is European or tourist. Well, is he Polish yet? Yeah, whatever. You know, this movie won Best Actress for Isabella Johnny at the Cannes Film Festival in 81. And she won a César, the freaking French Oscar for this goddamn movie. And and I love one of the lines at the beginning where she goes, were you unfaithful to me? The truth is not really. Who talks like this? You know what? It was a Polish guy directing this goddamn movie. Oh, wait, wait, so what was his name? Zulaski? Yeah. Adrezed Zulowski. We couldn't pronounce yeah. the name. We couldn't pronounce her name either. What was her name? A Johnny. Is- Isabella Johnny. Very Isabella good, Johnny. All right, yeah. sir. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, 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 all of a sudden, you know, this all this stuff happens. There's a scene in a cafe, which is Sam Neill's freaking. Now, I like Sam Neill as an actor, but this goddamn movie, the, he must have went insane watching the goddamn movie. There's a scene in the cafe where they're get, he goes crazy, and literally, there's like eight people piling on top of him try to get him to like knock him down or whatever and i just am sitting there you know I, I, I guess that was his shining moment and and then again you know when we have to show crazy so let's show him uns, unshaven sam neil going crazy he did a lot of rocking in this movie that's what i noticed rocking in chair rocking back and forth all this rocking shit so he's doing this rocking stuff and and i wrote down that you know so he's unshaven because we have to show his, how do we show craven an unshaven man and then he's writhing in bed in dirty clothes so I, I said, I didn't know he was a heroin addict. And he had a perfect sweat line down his back. So we find out later that he's been doing this. It's been three weeks he's been like this. I like, wow. And then he cleans himself up, but he's still wearing the dirty, smelly, stinky sweat line down his back suit. 
Yeah, so I'm thinking to myself, what is he, only on one suit? I'm like, come on, really? Oh, and then uh, there's a creepy scene where he takes his son's shirt off and he's holding him by the sides. And I just was like, yeah, that, 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 that didn't look like a dad with a son. It looked like a pedophile. So I'm like, okay. And, and I thought to myself watching this movie, I could see Penelope Cruz playing this when she first was trying to learn English because that's how bad. I mean, the writing was ho- horrible. Come on, man. Come on. She, he takes her top off in one seat and she goes, I am very sleepy. And then he starts rocking again. So, oh, and then, and then we're introduced to Heinrich. Now, Heinrich, to me, looks like a gay male gigolo who is, like, all of a sudden dancing around and talking in, like, tongues or whatever. And I think at one point I thought him and Sam Neill were going to make out. But uh, I said I, I thought Heinrich more of a sausage man than a tuna man. That was just me. Oh, and, and also, you know, with, there was a lot of punches. And whenever there was a punch or whatever, a lot of blood. Like, more crazy, crazy blood. Um, also, oh, and then, and then this crazy character, Margie, pops up. I mean, I'd love to have been on the casting sessions because I don't know what was going on, but they got just like, they just got, uh, they just got not crazy, crazy people, crazy people. Oh, and then, oh yeah, oh, oh, I kept writing down because I go, oh, we're only 33 minutes into the movie and it feels like I've been watching this for seven freaking hours. <laughs> so back and forth in the chair. Oh, and then there's a scene where, uh, oh, he kept his watch on a handle of the window, which is something I always do. I always keep my watch because, you know, I, I, you know, I don't own a clock. So let me just keep my watch hanging off a handle in, uh, of my window when I'm looking out a window. And uh, I always take a carving knife to my neck. That was 39 minutes in. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, it can't get crazier. Okay? And you know what the great thing was? Sam Neill, not only a great actor, but knows first aid. Because after she carves herself in the neck, he puts a wonderful bandage around her. And, and she goes from cutting meat to cutting her neck. And then Sam Neill decides, you know what, I'm going to take the carving knife and start car- carving, up my, carving up my arm a little bit. But later in the movie, lo, lo and behold, no, no, there's no marks on his There's no marks anywhere on his arm. So I don't know what's going on there. And... um. Oh my God! And then, and then this monster—I I wrote down it looked like a slimy turd with eyes on the wall. That's yeah, pretty and, good. That, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, and then, and then there was a part where they, she kills the de- detective with a broken bottle, but she really just kept poking him. All of a sudden, she poked him, and he had blood all over the place. And I thought the soundtrack was great. <laughs> yes, yes. And then, oh wait, and then there was no one. Where, wait, are you being sarcastic? Yeah, no, no, no. There was—it was like porno music at part at parts, <laughs> you know, because I was like, this music just doesn't go with the whole movie, and um. <laughs> Uh, I think there was a line, uh, Mr. Neal had a line, for me, God is a disease. Because I wrote down some of the lines he had. Oh, and then... Um, we covered that line. We did. Yeah, yeah, that was great. I just thought the way he said, for me, God is a disease. And, and you know, and Isabella Johnny, the wife, is just killing people left and right. And he's rocking in chairs. Oh, and the best is the ballet scene. She's holding up this little kid's leg. And I don't know, what, I guess the kid was cramping or something because the girl's like, ah, 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 and then she just runs out of the room. I don't know. She was holding her leg up. I don't know what she was doing, but it must have been torturous that her leg got held up in a, a position that maybe she was just cramping. But I, I love that scene where she wouldn't let go and she's just screaming at the little kid. <laughs> you love you know, that so, You love that scene, huh? Yeah, and I, I, I said, two words come to mind. I think this was 60 minutes, 68 minutes in. I said, verbal masturbation. And I said, and time keeps standing still. Oh, and she goes, she goes, two sisters of faith and chance. Cancer or madness controls reality. I said, that was a clinch to Cesar for her when she won the French Oscar. Oh, and then she puts clothes in the fridge. I thought that was great. And I thought, why not just hire a cleaning woman? You know? <laughs> I didn't catch that. <laughs> okay, but, oh, but, the, oh, oh. And then there was a part where she's, uh, I guess she's bulging and she has, uh, she ha- uh, has the uh, miscarriage. Uh. Because it looks like she has foam, white foam coming out of her mouth. And I didn't know what it was. 
And then all of a sudden, blood coming out of her crotch. I guess that must have been the symbolism of a higher power. And I like that she was also, there was a scene she was grabbing and groaning as she was grabbing her crotch, looking at the statue of Jesus. And that there was nobody in the, there was nobody on, they were always constantly, like, she's on the train with nobody. So she's walking the streets with nobody. But that, that was my favorite scene. She gets on the train, and the detective is following her, and there's a guy with an empty bottle of liquor. It just looked like a homeless guy. And the, she has, he takes the bananas out of her bag, <laughs> takes a banana from her, and starts eating the banana. Now, that's to me, because, you know, we're watching, we are watching cinema. And that, to me, is cinema. I was like, what is going on here? I said, I wanted to kill the guy. If I ever met the guy, I mean, I punch you first, but I think I punch him before I punch you. So well, I thought that was wonderful. The bananas. I don't understand what was that whole part. You did you, you didn't remember that scene where she's on the train now. and the guy takes the I put it aside, but yeah. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, Are you kidding me? Oh, and then the scene of the subway she, she's going back and forth and like slamming. Yeah. I go, maybe she you see in grad school we did an acting exercise, it was called a private moment. But the whole movie was a private moment that nobody wants to see. You know, she could have done it on her own, whatever. And then she was, you know, was she's spitting spitting up breast milk. I was like, Come on, man, what is going on here? And then um, she goes, and then Samuel had a great line, for the first time you look vulgar to me. I thought that was wonderful. That was a good line. Yeah, and then, and then at one point I think she was having sex with the monster, but it looked like, I don't know, what it was just like, oh, it's sort of another line. Now listen, Heinrich, just stay where you are. Oh, you're at the bar at the corner? Bleed for a while. I'll be there as soon as I can. He said it was so much honesty. That I just was like, I, was, I, I wanted more. I wanted more. I wrote Possession, the movie that wouldn't end. Oh, and also, I love that Sam Neill in the scene with Heinrich had a chick toothpick in his mouth. You know, because he had to be, you know, he's a cool guy. Cool guys use toothpicks. So I thought that was a wonderful scene. Um, and, um, you know, oh, there was just, wow. Wow. I said the movie is making me an atheist. I was 100 minutes in and I go, this is never going in. I go, Wow. They've become quite skilled killers because they're just killing everything. You know, I just thought I thought it would, also I thought it was great that when she was having sex with the monster, she seemed to be having an orgasm. And I thought, well, you know what? You know, it's good for all of us. And uh, it just, you know, oh, the dog dead in the water. I thought that was very symbolic. And th that's when the porno music came in. And that's, he kept talking about his dog named Louie. Nobody about has that. dog. Dude, what? we talked about the dog. What was the symbolism there you picked up? And the, the porno music. We, that whole part, like, there's... But wasn't he talking about the... Okay, that's another thing. He says the dog goes to die under the porch. Can, can you someone explain this to me? I never knew a dog that goes to die under the porch. I, I don't know. My dog never went... I, my dog's died in their cage. You know, they never went under a porch to die. Cats but he kept talking about the, the, my dog, Louie. When a, when a dog gets old, it goes under the porch to die. And then the guy, that, this guy came out of nowhere, glasses, is talking about, you know, that this isn't dead dogs. At that point, I didn't care. I just wanted it to end. You know, so I, I was trying to, like, poke. I, I got a toothpick, and I started putting it in my eyeball. And I just, like, just twisted it around the iris a little bit. So it burned a little bit. Then I took a little bit of salt and vinegar. But the movie just kept going on. And then the shootout at the end. And then all of a sudden, there's a shootout at the end. It, it was just great. And then he had a wonderful death walk on the, on the stairs. And I thought it was wonderful at the end that she gave, she shot herself, she was on her back, and then she proceeded, very, very flexible, took the gun and shot herself in her spinal column. And then they, I think they kissed each other with blood all over their faces. And then at the end, we're, 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 we find out that, uh, I guess the monster is now Sam Neill. And 
there's a girl there too and they're shooting everybody and there was a machine gun squad i was like where do they all come from i didn't care at all so i thought was this uh invasion of the body snatchers <laughs> so i didn't know what was it at the end and i just was like wow thank you mr fairhead for me for because i don't want to i didn't want to sound uninformed watching this and you know the, and people call this a cult classic and if you don't understand whatever i don't care to understand it was just painful 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 just painful very and good. I just wanted it to end, and it never would end. Yeah, and that might have been Sam. Well, I don't blame Sam Neill. A Polish man, the guy, the guy who the Polish director wrote and uh, directed it, and he's from Poland, so he wrote in Polish, and he, he, he translated his Polish into American into, into English because Isabella Johnny was just like she would. Uh, oh my God, what a piece of shit! I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It just it just wouldn't end, and then at the end you're just like what? And you're telling me the American version was only an hour and a half? Yeah. Wow. Even I'll tell you, seventeen minutes in, I was done. I was. I said, "We are seventeen minutes in this movie, and I don't care." And all they do is scream. They would just scream at each other and throwing stuff and smashing stuff. And she, yeah. And then the teacher, I guess, was her also playing the other role. I, I just, I didn't care. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to find the symbolism in this. I know you guys were talking about it. That I, I think you had to be possessed. Well, yeah, he was playing. I think he was playing a crazy person because none of the lines made sense, and he just had to keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. Wow, it, I don't know if I if I said enough or said anything or I nah, can you, you said enough without actually spoiling it. We found out too. You can't really spoil this movie because there's just so many ways it goes that even if you give stuff away, they still are coming. And like you said, it, yeah. it doesn't end. People should really see it. <laughs> you're people not really giving the best it. endorsement. Now you're saying people should see it. People should see it and think about what it's like to be in prison and have men lining up to. That's a wrap. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Puppet. We appreciate it, man. Okay. (laughs) You can cut that last part out if you want. I'm sorry. I I don't edit anything. (laughs) All right, later, man. All right, take it easy. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing today. Electric acid.